I've been in this game now, uh, this community, uh, about 19, 20 years. That's when I stopped eating meat. I first stopped uh, when I went to go serve time in federal prison. Um, my background from Chicago, uh, west side of Chicago, if any of you all know this, um, but I come from humble beginnings. I used to um, be involved in the streets. And when I say that, um, I sold drugs uh, during my teenage years and more. Uh, and that lifestyle as a drug dealer and gang member caught up with me eventually, right when I was getting ready to finish college. Um, and I was pretty much retired from the gang um, because I, you know, was going on the straight path. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, karma catches up with you. Um, and karma, even though I thought I escaped it and did my dirt, it finally caught up with me. And the universe needed to remove me from this very busy society we live in and to sit me down to really understand myself as a man, as a person, as a black man, and also to understand life and more. And I learned, it was my first week there in prison that I stopped eating meat. Mm. Uh, I created this mantra for myself that if it requires harm, then all, I don't wanna have anything to do with it. I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy Award-winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host, and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and just how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest this week is a tough guy with a really big heart, and he is on a mission to protect animals by pushing for policy change and promoting veganism. Dominic Thompson travels the world speaking out against animal cruelty, and he has a very successful company that helps customers make eating vegan easy and affordable. His journey to success is one you do not want to miss, so let's get to it. Well, welcome. How are you doing with all that's going on in the world? The pandemic, racial reckoning, everything. How are you doing with it? You know, I think it. this is, even though we got to look at its pros and cons to what happened, I think the pros is it definitely has been an opportunity for us to really educate and help people do a lot of unpacking and up so many different uh, intersectional issues from uh, racial uh, injustices to inequalities to even down to the food system and health and wellness. So I actually, you know, I think this is something that we as a society really needed to really kind of shake that head and, and kind of make us realize that we're vulnerable um, as a human race and we just need to do simply better in a lot of capacities for sure. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. I agree with that. Really, I do. You know, I was just having a conversation with a really good friend of mine um, who needs to get her health together. Let's just let's just put it that way. She really needs to take it more seriously. And every once in a while, I kind of nag her. And not, you know, I, of course, I want her to go vegan. But most importantly, I really want her to take better care of herself. And, you know, she was saying that if I just, she was saying that if she went vegan, 
if she just stopped eating meat and dairy, just everything would be okay. And I was explaining to her because she was saying, you know, there aren't any unhealthy people that are vegan. And I was like, well, I said, you can eat vegan and be unhealthy with it. And, you know, and I was trying to explain, you know, how that can happen. And I was telling her about your program and I was like, yeah, there's a, there's a method to it. So I'm glad that we're talking today because I think for a lot of people that are new to veganism, they really need to learn about the nutritional aspect of it and really yeah. how to get that right. And I think your program really targets that in a very effective way. So I really want to talk to that. But first, <laughs> I want to ask you about your journey because you weren't born vegan. So how did you decide to become vegan? Yeah, I didn't come out of my mom's room with a Jedi horse and leave those animals alone. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't do that. Um, it's, um, it's been a, a very interesting journey for me specifically. Uh, I've been in this game now, uh, this community, uh, about 19, 20 years. That's when I stopped eating meat. I first stopped uh, when I went to go serve time in federal prison. Um, my background from Chicago, uh, west side of Chicago, if any of you all know this, um, but I come from humble beginnings. I used to um, be involved in the streets. And when I say that, um, I sold drugs uh, during my teenage years and more. Uh, and that lifestyle as a drug dealer and gang member caught up with me eventually, right when I was getting ready to finish college. Um, and I was pretty much retired from the gang um, because I, you know, was going on the straight path. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, karma catches up with you. Um, and karma, even though I thought I escaped it and did my dirt, it finally caught up with me. And the universe needed to remove me from this very busy society we live in and to sit me down to really understand myself as a man, as a person, as a black man, and also to understand life and more. And I learned, it was my first week there in prison that I stopped eating meat. Mm. Uh, I created this mantra for myself that if it requires harm, then no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that included Jackie D., a multi-million dollar um, drug um, uh, underground industry uh, with respect to being a part of anything in any capacity uh, with poison being put in my communities uh, out there specifically, even distribution wise worldwide through the Midwest. Uh, also, I didn't want to be a part of a multi-billion dollar industry that kills over 50 billion um, land animals per year, farm animals per year for a system that we just don't understand it's truly outdated and that's not truly uh, food um, at all. Uh, so that was about 19, 20 years ago I did it in prison. Hmm. Okay. And were you, how challenging was that in prison to make that kind of a dietary decision? You know, again, we didn't have documentaries. <laughs> we didn't have I, I didn't have access to no information with regard to what was going to happen to my health. This was like my self-conviction. This was me owning it and understanding that, you know, again, my, my first weekend there, I got down on my knees trying to figure out, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I connected my wavelength and energy into the universe. And the messaging came very clear and to this point that uh, I was just trying to figure out, like, you know, why am I here? What's going on? Uh, and everything, like a light bulb came in my head, pointed to this memory as a child when I was eight years old. My mother used to feed me chicken wings, so feed us chicken wings. Uh, 
And I was always a finicky eater. I was always picky. And I would go in those chicken wings and just like very carefully, like a surgeon, go through the tendons, uh, yeah. trying to get to the meat itself because everything else around that, the structure, the visual aid of it just turned me off because yeah. I knew it came from animals. So I'm sitting there at my mom's table, a little eight-year-old dom, looking at the chicken, looking at my mom, looking back at the chicken, then looking at my arms, looking at the chicken, and I pushed back. Um, and I said, I don't want this. She said, what's wrong? I was like, you know, uh, they look like little bitty arms. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of hard to tell a struggling single black mother um, <laughs> that's working two jobs, multiple jobs as a nurse in a one-bedroom apartment that you are not going to eat and you don't want this food. Yeah. Uh, and she told me, well, you, you, you're not going to eat. But I'm my mom's kid. She raised me to speak my mind and never back down, even from her. So I responded, but then I'm not going to eat. <laughs> yeah. um, but she eventually compromised. I mean, she was like, I don't know what's wrong with this boy. You know, he's not eating his wings. He's not eating. He needs his meat and his protein. But she compromised and went out to buy uh, me uh, fish sticks. Uh, so I, I grew up eating a lot of fish sticks or any type of meat that was covered and not attached to the bone. Right. And that memory popped up in my head right there that first week of me being in jail. And I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because I'm a firm believer that if you're an eight-year-old Dominic or a 41-year-old Dominic, if the universe shows you something and you don't see through it, it's going to come back and come back and get you in some type of capacity. It could be through disease. It could be through, through health, finances, you, you name it. Um, and that was the universe just, you know, sitting me down to understand what journey I'm getting ready to go into and, and the journey, which eventually ascended to me becoming uh, an activist, an athlete, uh, a big advocate for uh, human and animal rights and more. Um, and again, that was 19, 20 years ago. With respect to your questioning in terms of what I would eat, I would trade my meat protein with my cellies uh, for their carbs. So I ate a lot of carbs, simple and complex carbs. And they thought I was crazy. They, they was like, it's no way. Like, dude, what is wrong with you? And I didn't know. Again, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, I had no idea about the health at all. We just didn't have that information back then. Yeah. Uh, we was conditioned back then to believe you need animal products, meat to survive. And like, that's like part of your daily diet. But I already made that decision and that promise and that commitment to the universe. And no matter what was going to happen, I was going to see through it. It's like, it was like me forever uh, fasting. It was, a, it, was, it was something I was giving up in exchange to get home safely, to get home sooner than later. Um, because they gave, you, they, gave, they gave your boy some calories. They gave me some years. Um, yeah. <laughs> fans is usually when you're dealing with high level uh, type of crime but um, yeah I never looked back it was an interesting transition because I went from being weighing over 250 pounds all the way down to the lowest I got was like sub 200 190 in, in that area yeah uh, and all that inflammation was gone um, all that um, uh, fat was gone uh, I wasn't I wasn't obese I was husky it was just that drug dealer body you know what I mean yeah, it was yeah, yeah. boy body uh, but I lost all that weight and then I went on to become one of the strongest men in that f specific uh, prison system over a population of over a thousand. Cause we will have what's called liftoffs and we will see who was the strongest. And I was in the top 10. Wow. Yeah. So healthy and, and lean, but strong. Yeah. Yeah. So 
how did you go, Dominic, from um, deciding that you were going to be vegan for yourself to, you know, an advocate for animals and someone who would be out there convincing the masses to also go on that journey to make that change? What was that? Because you could have done this privately, right? Yeah. So why did you decide um, to go public with this and try to, you know, change the world in this way? I've always been vocal about my passion and love for animals. I, I truly love all animals. I, as a little boy, I would break up pit bull fights and fights in the hood from from in different areas and communities. I would. I remember many times some of my friends, uh, you know, boys being boys, taking rocks or sticks and throwing them at stray cats, uh, feral cats, yeah. uh, shooting all types of stuff at uh, squirrels harming and bird and i was just slapping them across the head like what's wrong with you <laughs> like leave those animals alone like i always because i'm a big dude i'm about six feet i'm a solid over 200 pounds of solid uh, frame and i i guess i always had a pr problem with people bullying and trying to yeah. take advantage of something that's vulnerable and can't defend itself even as a little boy so I will always defend animals as much as I can. And it just so happened that as I became older and I was sitting down in the, in the system and then when I came home, when I finally got back on my feet, um, I would educate people regardless, whoever wants to listen or wants to hear, I would educate them. And what happened was a friend of mine uh, from my childhood, once I got back on my feet and started working in corporate America as a healthcare executive, uh, he was like, you know, you should get on this cool new app um, that all the cool kids are on. I was like, what's that? You know, this is like, this is like eight years ago, right? And he's like, it's called Instagram. I'm like, Insta what? <laughs> I was like, what is, what is Instagram? He's like, just get on it. The cool kids, trust me. And I downloaded this to my iPhone and then I opened it up. Everyone's doing selfies and all that. I was like, I'm too old for this. This is not my thing. And he's like, Don. Trust me, man, I know you, you're a visionary guy. My background is creative and architecture and more. When I, I, was, I did advanced architecture in high school, so I always had a, a creative side. It's like, mm -hmm. I know you, man, you, you, can, you can, this is the future, I'm trying to tell you. And I was like, okay. So I use my account as a way to just basically blog, document my workouts and while I lived in New York, I started doing triathlons and it was crazy. Like I, I was doing triathlons and documenting. I was using an earlier adopter of captions and talking about animal agriculture and talking yeah. about the and more and also what I would eat in the day. And that account, I kid you not, organically pretty much blew up overnight where it was the largest vegan male account at that time. That's because you didn't have men of color like me that had size, strength, um, that come from the hood, that was assertive, had a little bit of swag, and a little yeah. bit easy in the eyes. Like all these different uh, <laughs> pillars that was, was, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Because historically, the vegan male back then was two types. Both were white men, uh, either a middle-aged ultra-endurance athlete, um, or one was like some surfer that likes to go uh, do psychedelics and hold hands. And, you know, let's <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. here was a man of, of color. And that was like, they used me almost a token. The vegan community like jumped on me like white on rice and, and ascended overnight. And I thought, what better way to use my platform than to continue to um, push 
for education, push for policy change and more, even me trying to change policies in, in healthcare when I work with C-level sweet guys at the systems, hospital systems, I have always been passionate about just kind of educating people to do some unpacking with respect to their views on uh, what we deem as food. So it's always been there. It's just that I was, I took on this opportunity because my friend told me to download Instagram and then I became kind of insta-famous. It was pretty, pretty interesting to the okay. point that all these news organizations, because they started doing articles on vegan men and they started reaching out to me from NPR News, ABC News, Muscle and Fitness and more. And then when NYU called me to come speak to their student body about plant-based eating and environmental impact, that organically just started a whole tour of talks. Because once you start at one university, you just start going to others. Like I, this was not a plan. I was, I was okay. I was living in New York, <laughs> being a healthcare executive, making good money, six figures, uh, uh, living in Manhattan and everything. And this is just kind of organically happened. So it's the universe. It's the yeah. universe. Just prepared. It prepared me. I had to do what I had to do from the beginning but I was already armed with the education because I by then, to, when this started taking off, I learned all about the dieting, learned about the dairy industry, learned about everything that you should know about with respect to the sourcing of the products down to the fabrics of what you buy in your car, your shoes, your purses, and more. So, yeah. All of it. All the things that people just want to put blinders on and plug their ears up, but they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to know how that food gets on their table or how that leather coat uh, or leather shoes ends up in their closet. They don't want to know about that. But we're going to get to that. Let me talk to you about the health aspect because I really want to help people out there who are really new to this or they've been doing it and they're not really thinking about the nutritional aspect of eating vegan. Now you have um, this organization, Eat What Elephants Eat. I think you call it EWE. Yeah, EWE for um, sure. That's the acronym. Yeah. And I love that this is affordable. It gives yep. people a plan. Um, it deals with the nutrition. You can get a food coach if you want. So I really just want you to break down, I think, because for a lot of people, it can be overwhelming to start. Yeah. And there's a grocery list, there's everything. So I just want to start from the beginning about talking about what this program is. Is it food? I know it's not food delivery, but explain what it is. Well, it's, it, it's kind of food delivery because we partner up with Instacart. So your food can be delivered directly to oh, okay. you. Yeah, directly to your the groceries, not the cooked food. The groceries, right? Because what we learned, data shows that first of all, the meal, the rest of the meal is not going to be as good when you already have a prepared, cooked. If it's not coming from like a restaurant per se, if it's right. like prepackaged, like purple carrot and stuff like that, uh, a lot of the, it's a reason why they were sold over and over again. The business model just doesn't work. People just want to truly cook from scratch. Um, and so what I had learned. I've been on the speaking tour for the last five years. And one of the things that I was noticing, I would get the audience attention. Um, and, and even on my, my platforms, you know, got them thinking, you know, with respect to the educational component, but now they needed the solution, you know, and it wasn't enough for me to delegate like, Hey, go to ABC, go vegan company, go to FDG, go vegan company. I have no, um, affiliation with these companies neither did i vetted these companies but people will always come back like no i don't think you understand dom i want to go vegan but i want you to guide me i want you to show me show me your ways like you know so and i felt responsible out of all these thousands and thousands of people i had an impact on 
I needed to come up with a solution, basically a solution center as a model. So here I am disrupting from, um, uh, from, from social media to um, at, at um, uh, protests to speaking engagements, but I didn't have the solution once I caught their attention. And so I created this amazing company. We're a Georgia-based company, but we server, service people worldwide through a subscription service where we make plant-based eating not only um, uh, accessible, but more importantly, affordable. Because most programs with respect to meal planning or access to these recipes can run you anywhere between 50 to 200 bucks. And you can get it your access through this education where you have access to a food coach, you have access to our RDs with respect to the, um, the macro information, the macronutrient information. Monday through Friday, you can pick up the phone and call us or you can chat with us or even email us. And then you get um, weekly emails encouraging you what you need, uh, whether you're a working professional or a college student, a working mom, you name it. It takes you five minutes to create this profile and we'll compute it process it and give you a true meal plan that you can follow Monday through Friday, all for a little or less as $10 a month. Uh, and that was my way of just trying to get as many people as we can go to go vegan. Um, and it's been a great business model that took off where that was phase one of the food and nutrition company. Phase two is our superfoods that is in development. Phase three is our juice and smoothie bars that we're going to build in the Atlanta area um, where we'll acquire some urban farming land and we'll be the biggest customers truly farm to the table uh, for us to for profit versus the nonprofit. we're going to teach people how to farm we're going to serve underserved communities but again we're going to be this biggest um, uh, client and phase four will be our restaurant eat with elephants eat kitchen so it's different lines of services that we're we're getting ready to ramp up uh, post covid covid has definitely put a lot of impact on that um, yeah. but you know phase one is because of covid is what we're really focusing on, teaching people how to cook in the kitchen. Um, and it's very simple, Jackie. You can do either um, easy um, uh, meal planning or you can do advanced and guru and more. So it's just something that's pretty, pretty amazing. Okay, so let's say I sign up for this, right? I go on the website. I, do I fill out a profile or do I talk to someone? How does it work? Yeah, so you'll create the profile. Um, you'll just put in, you tell us what you have in your kitchen. Um, whether you have a microwave, a food processor, a blender, uh, a juicer, um, you tell us your you tell us your, your locality, as far as where you're at, what city, uh, you tell us what are your goals, you're trying to lean out, you're trying to bulk up, are you trying to just save animals, are you just trying to eat healthy, uh, we'll go walk you through that process, you just create this questionnaire of uh, information, um, and also what's so dope about it, you can remove up to 700 ingredients. So if you have any um, allergies or anything you just simply don't like, it could be as simple as tomatoes, avocados, uh, gluten, soy. You can remove that and we'll create the meal plan based on that specific preference of uh, what your, your, your preference is in, in terms of that space. I love that. I, I, really, I, I really love this program. So, okay, so let me ask you this. So for me personally, um, I definitely have gained some pounds since COVID, you know, sitting at home. Oh, we all have. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm, you know, I'm not big, um, but I definitely have put on some pounds that I want. So I want to lean out a little bit, but I also want to tone up and build a little bit of muscle. If, if I'm that specific with my goals, can Ewe help me with that? 
Absolutely. You just tell us what you need, your goals, if you're trying to lean out and stuff. So we'll create a very um, low calorie, um, uh, but heavy nutrient dense uh, meal planning uh, for you specifically. Again, you put in your information and we'll compute that and work with you one-on-one. Um, because like you said, look, we all have gained weight during COVID because we're not as physically active. We're just sitting. And let's be honest, most of us are just eating, uh, whether we're vegan or not, junk food. Vegans can eat junk food too. I mean, I like, know, so right? we have some amazing junk food. Great you know? junk food. <laughs> Great junk food. Potato chips. Let's start with that. Yeah. Potato chips, French fries. You know, for those that are listening, over 90% of what you eat on a Western diet can be veganized. That's from yeah. pizza, burgers, uh, certain seafood, uh, even steak. It's all in the seasoning, but you can veganize pretty much anything, which is pretty cool. It's, it's really great to transition into that and really satisfy your palate and your taste buds. But the goal should always to eat more whole food plant-based and eat healthy in that sense. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, so once I figure out you know, once you all help me figure out how I need to be eating, then I can either get a grocery list from you and go to the grocery store or through Instacart, I can order online and have the groceries delivered. Correct. What makes it so beautiful and seamless is the fact that uh, we don't have an app. We don't need an app. As you know, most websites are pretty much mobile-based. So the layout is almost like an app and you can just take your your list right to the grocery store and even plan ahead for the specific week or you can just um, log in with your your Amazon or your Instacart and it'll, it'll team up they'll pair that up uh, through the computer uh, uh, through our, our interface and it could be delivered to your home yeah yeah now see now I do love to cook um, but what about people who are not great in the kitchen when it comes to the skills um, can you modify based on that? Yeah, yeah. we have, uh, again, you have different levels. There's levels to this, right? There's, there's levels to cooking. Uh, but you have the rookie level, you have the guru level, um, you, you have the medium level, you have, if you, if you want to adjust your profile, you can say, look, I only got 15 minutes, 10 minutes to get to this per morning. You can adjust that down. Same thing for lunch. Uh, even dinner, you're like, you know what, I want to get fancy. I can, I can spend 60 minutes cooking something and you'll get a whole different meal, a whole different uh, recipe. There's over 3,000 recipes you have access to. All wow. It's pretty amazing. So it's something for everybody. I, I, I really do love um, this program. So let's talk about, because you're, um, you know, you're into health. The nutrition is a big part of EWE and I'm sure your life as well. What do, you, what do you say to people who say, well, I don't want to go vegan because how am I going to get my proteins? I hear that all the time. What's your response to that when people come at you like that? Even when you have a company that's based on, you know, the, the, the thought that elephants don't eat <laughs> meat. You know what I mean? They eat plants and look at how big and muscular they are. But go ahead. I mean, that's actually how the, the company name was born pretty much because you're biologically and scientifically speaking the largest walking vegan mammal wise is elephants uh, they eat nothing but plants uh so it's the same source that they get theirs from uh, but let, let me go back a little bit and say this that question used to be that used to be a question that was asked a lot um historically back in the day um, right. 15 20 years ago but now we i just I don't get that question at all anymore. Where you get your protein from at all? Really? Uh, people, yeah, people, because it's 
people are really learning a lot about the food and nutrition uh, that we consume as consumers. And I, they just asked me, what is a good source of protein? And there's two proteins. And really, essentially what people need to know that all protein in the form of food comes from plants, no matter what. If you're looking at as far as matter itself, protein is pretty much in everything that we consume. But that animal you're getting your meat protein from is getting it from plants. All you're doing is removing the middleman and right. going directly to the source. Plant protein is sufficient. It's better. Uh, it's better on the environment. It's better on your health uh, with respect to inflammation and recovery. If you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, um, but even more beautifully, you're not contributing to something that's simply destroying a life form that has an energy and soul, just like you and I. Uh, yeah. So, I love that. I love that you said that because I do want to ask you about your advocacy for animals. You, like me, we're both ethical vegans. So for me, it's all about the animals. Um, you know, it's, I'm not, it's not just what I eat. It's what I wear. It's everything, every aspect of my life. Um, do you get a lot of uh, pushback from people or how do you deal with people who don't want to hear about the animal aspect of it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. They don't sure. want to talk about factory farming. They don't want to talk about all of those things. Um, how do you how do you handle that? What I notice is is no matter what, human look, human beings are wired differently as far as like the chemicals in our heads and our brains and you know the science behind this. So you you're not gonna run across someone that really cares about what's happening to animals. You know, you're gonna be people like, I don't care. There are just People that simply are uh, not compassionate. Let's just be honest. There, there isn't. Uh, but there usually is some way, not always, but usually a way to get them to pay attention when we're talking about the core basis of why veganism is good intersectionally. So if we're talking about do they care about the environment, you may can get them to go because they care about the environment. Those are the Tesla drivers and people that don't want to have any lights on. Um, you tell them about um, you know, look, there's people in, in Asia eating, you know, little Fifi and little poodles, like the one that you have on your couch. You can yeah. tell them about that, like you, you being, you being a species, you know, like you don't think right. dog is part of being in that animal part of the kingdom with respect to farm animals. Cause farm animals are just as, um, the same, if not smarter than dogs, uh, and even cats. Uh, so you can hit them with that with respect to the animal part. You can hit them also with the health. You know, if they're overweight or uh, they're having underlying issues or genetics, food can turn on good genetics and food can also turn on bad genetics. Uh, so if you are eating a shitty diet, you are most certainly going to amplify and, and, and turn on some very bad genetics that's going to cause you a lot of problems that you may have already experienced or your family members you have seen experience through the genetic pool. But if you eat more more whole food plant-based, you can suppress that. There's a reason why uh, people that are vegan usually don't look their age and they thrive and they just really excel physically from an aesthetic standpoint yeah. because of, of the plants and the nutrients in the plants. Um, so, and also too, you can talk to them about consumerism. You know, if people are going to eat a hot dog and pigs, North Carolina is the second, if not the largest, uh, hog producing state in America. So when you're supporting the pork industry, more than likely it came from North Carolina, and that's having an impact on marginalized communities, specifically black communities in Royal Tar Hill area, where 
the lagoons are leaking into the, the communities where African Americans are the highest demographics being admitted to the hospital due to sinuses, due to coughing, due to headaches and more, all because the environment is so toxic from these factory farms that are strategically placed in those areas. Those factory farms ain't placed in Beverly Hills. They ain't placed in um, <laughs> Orange County or uh, in the proper uh, Manhattan. Wet, you know, there's no wet markets in Manhattan. There's nothing in Miami. So it's always in poor uh, communities. And sometimes stuff like that get people to really think and start working their brains. You know? So I, I would say just identify what moves that person. And if you can identify what moves them, you can educate them about uh, that part of the vegan uh, part of veganism itself, because veganism used to historically be all only only about the animals, you know. Yeah. Um, um, I, but I, since day one, uh, yes, I'm an ethical vegan. Yes, um, I stopped eating meat because of animals. However, that definition to me needs to be redefined because it's so much bigger than that. Because humans are animals too. Yeah. And sometimes we what we forget. So we should be compassionate, not only for animals, but also human animals, for the undocumented workers that are being exploited, working in the factory farms, to yeah. um, the uh, food deserts and more. It's just so much intersection there that we need to understand that. And that's what we're doing a lot in the community now, trying to really uh, educate the, the more um, um, part of the community that simply is not understanding the white privilege and white supremacy more, and trying to really do some unpacking in that area. But it's a beautiful thing that everything is coming like full circle and people are waking up and really unpacking. Yeah, they definitely are. These are interesting times. It's very well said what you, the point that you made. That's very true. I never thought about it like that, but it is very true. It is ethical, can involve so much more um, than the animals. So let me also ask you about another company that you're a part of, a clothing company. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, crazies and weirdos. Um, we, <laughs> I love the name. Yeah, because vegans are crazy and weird. Uh, that company was started uh, when I lived in New York about uh, four or five years ago. So going back to when my platform was the largest vegan mail account, I thought, what better way to use this platform than to um, help bring awareness to some different causes that I care about? And at that time, the poaching crisis in Africa with respect to the elephants and rhino was at an all-time high. Yeah. And I thought, like, you know, let me bring some attention to this. Let's try to uh, help raise some awareness uh, to what's going on um, to that area. And I, I thought, you know, I, I tried to communicate with some of the nonprofits uh, of the world, but I said, let's do it through a T-shirt campaign. You know what I mean? Let's do it through like a T-shirt campaign. Uh, but all those shirts and slogans that were out at the time, was corny, if I'm being honest, just corny. It didn't fit me. Uh, there was more, those designers, they was just um, something that just didn't fit who I was as a man of color coming from Chicago. And I thought, you know what, let me just create a slogan um, of some sort. And I was like, I'm always telling people the largest animals are vegan, which is elephants. And I wanna talk about and educate them about the poaching crisis, elephants, and elephants eat plants, you know? They need to just eat what elephants eat. I was like, boom, right there. Light bulb went off. Eat what elephants eat. And so I slapped that slogan on our on my my tor on the shirt, put it on my jack torso at the time, and threw up my gun. And that shirt and that photo was shared probably over five thousand times. 
from Instagram to Facebook, but the first year we sold uh, thousands and thousands of units to the point that Urban Outfitters reached out to us. They wanted to do a licensing deal. And it was crazy because here I was um, in my New York apartment <laughs> uh, and me working in healthcare um, and, and working 40, 50 hours a week in healthcare, but spending my evenings and weekends fulfilling orders with my girlfriend at the time. And she hated me at the time because we both was working professionals. She was a lawyer. I'm an executive. We didn't have time for that shit. We, but we didn't know it was going to take off like it did. But here was, she's like, I can't believe you got us doing this shit. We were sending orders from New York to Asia, to Africa, to London. It was, it was so real to see that. And so the first campaign, it just went viral. It did so good. Uh, and so I thought, you know, let's do another one. Let's create another one. And that's when I created the slogan, Clark Kent was vegan, Superman, uh, about his origin story. And it just said Clark Kent was vegan. And that rival, the first one, which was eat what elephants eat. And that, before Molly Cyrus decided to go back to eating meat, she reached out to us, slid in the DMs, like, we're such a, she's like, I'm such a big fan. I would love to, yo, get some gear. She gave us her address. We didn't think nothing of it. At this point, we already popping, we lit, we, we, we booming on, on social media as far as the brand itself, Crazies and Weirdos. Uh, and even my own little platform was really booming. But two weeks later, my phone lit up like a Christmas tree because she posted a photo of herself with a blunt in her mouth with the middle finger up to over, at the time, she had 33 million Instagram followers. And it went viral and we got all these orders and uh, it was surreal to see an A-lister. You know, like I said, I, I'm known in my community. This is like, right. but to see yeah. an A-lister at that level rock with us, it was pretty dope. You know, that was like surreal. And then the other celebrities followed through after that. Got caught with paparazzi, taking photos in our clothes. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see this little brand born in uh, New York City, uh, specifically, um, Manhattan to Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, just come up. And that was how I transitioned out of corporate America to, to that brand. Wow. Um, and that's when I started in two years, like we talked about eWealth and see, we just borrowed the, uh, the slogan, uh, the trademark to, and attach that to the sister company, which is the food and nutrition company. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Are you still doing the clothing thing or no? Uh, yeah, we're, we're right now, we're going to be real. So COVID had a really big impact on us because we're, we also, before COVID, were one of the biggest merchandisers and suppliers of the different music festivals and food festivals related to veganism. Um, and we're just all out of stock on a lot of stuff. And we're just rebranding and also restructuring our website. So we'll re relaunch around the holiday time for sure. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. And let me ask you, um, Dominic, when it comes to animals and just the abuse of animals and factory farming and overfishing and all these things that are happening around the world, what gives you hope? Do you know what I mean? What gives you hope that there will be significant change? I've seen it already in the 19 to 20 years I've been uh, involved in this community. I've seen so many people, like I said, it wasn't that many people that look like me, uh, uh, that come from similar situations like me that were plant-based. So I've seen a lot of improvements in a lot of areas. I'm hopeful, especially now with Black Lives Matter, um, where 
even the vegan community is very um, attentive to understanding from our media inside this community to our media outside the community, how we need to amplify and show more diversity in faces of color, specifically yeah. black women and men um, that have been doing it. This ain't nothing new to a lot of us. We've been doing this before it was cool. Yeah. Um, this wasn't given a platform because people typically have a white savior complex and they push, uh, push that aesthetic to the forefront from Hollywood, you name it. Only, only time we're the face is during sports. And that's pretty trouble. And that's pretty yeah. com- troubling in a lot of, a lot of senses. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because if we can show more diversity, we can get more people interested because a lot of people think veganism is a white thing. You know what I mean? Like they think it's unaffordable, unattainable. And it's actually the opposite. You know, when you eat more whole food plant-based and don't go inside the perimeter of a grocery store and stay outside uh, and eat more veggies, you're eating healthier and you're saving more money than paying all that money on box processed foods. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll continue to grow as a society, specifically here in America. Uh, but I will t- tell you this, my state of mind with respect to it, I used to be very hopeful and think that in my lifetime, we would see a world where 50% is plant-based in some capacity. Um, I'm more, and I'm a rational guy. I'm science-driven, I'm rational, I'm logical. But I gotta tell you, um, it's almost like the more people we do convert and people do adopt this lifestyle, more people are eating meat. And I'm just not sure that we would ever get to 50%. Uh, and that's fine, you know, it is what it is. We can only do so much and focus on our tribe, our community, our ecosystems, that people that do want to change. Uh, because without it being mandatory uh, and enforced that your food habits and what you buy and what you eat from your shopping habits is having an impact on the environment. Unless we got laws in place, uh, we're gonna continue to see a very slow turn. Um, and and uh, that's just the way it is right now. So as far as hopeful, we will continue to get people to go, um, but I have no doubt in my mind, we, we won't be at 50%. It is what it is. Human beings are just simply selfish. Yeah. Not, and social media, if anything, social media is beautiful, it has pros and cons, but if anything, it has, especially with this um, current administration, has produced more people that are narcissists. They yeah. do not care about you, me, or anyone under the sun but themselves. Yeah. the world we're fighting. Yeah, it's a fight, man. And sometimes I get discouraged with it, but I'm not giving up. <laughs> so... I, I will push on, but I, I appreciate you. I, I love um, all that you're doing out there, especially with Ewe. I feel like it gives access to so many people who might feel like it's too expensive for me to eat this way, or I just don't understand it. It just gives them a place, a great place to start. Um, and even for people who have been at it for a while to kind of reshape the way they're thinking about how to eat. You know, because at the beginning, I, you know, I was eating carbs. <laughs> that was all that I was eating, and then I started to learn more. Um, so I think I think it's great um, what you're you're doing, and I look forward to the juice bars and the restaurants, and I hope that they'll be in, you know, some of the uh, black communities. You know, replace some of the fast food restaurants that are in there in the underprivileged communities out there. I'd love to see that. That's what we're working on. And um, it, it's gonna happen one way or the other. It's just that right now with this uh, pandemic and more, um, <laughs> you know, the good news is 
vegan establishments, restaurants, plant-based, you name it. Um, if you have a great business model set up to curbside, assist people and pick up uh, and the product, the food is just good itself. It, it's, they're doing better than they were pre-COVID. And you see more meat-based onivore restaurants that rely on the tradition of dining in and, and buying drinks at the bar. Those are the ones that either close or are closing. Um, people do want to eat healthier. People do want to pick up and go. People are still not sure about what the future may hold because this pandemic is the new 9-11. It's here to stay for a while, no matter the way we look at it. It's just going to be ongoing. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so I'm hopeful for it. We'll just see after this winter the approach on how we would we can start strategically setting up the different storefronts. So. Yeah. Well, we will be watching. You'll have to come back on the podcast and talk about what's new um, when there's more to tell. Dominic, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast, and special thanks to my guest, Dominic Thompson. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all things Dominic Thompson, and as well as Ewe. And if you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe, leave a comment, and tell a friend. Also, follow us on social media at Vegan Sexy Cool, and be sure to check out vegansexycool.com for great vegan lifestyle tips. Thanks again, everybody, and until next time, stay safe and stay sane.